0: Yeah, we 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 talked about things Sunday. For those of you that, how many of you were not here Sunday? You were, wow, that's nearly everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess those that were here Sunday, maybe I scared them so bad they ain't coming back. <laughs> oh, goodness! I read a prophecy to them, and uh, they was. I've had several prophecies that's come across my desk the last few weeks, and. Just recently, I had you know those that come across my desk from at least three different prophets that said the 23rd Dallas was going to be attacked, and so I told the church about that Sunday, and I know some of them it scared them, you know some of them really did. Uh, did it scare you, Sharon? No, no it didn't scare you. They done what? Stole like a hundred sticks of dynamite out of a warehouse place. Oh, here in Dallas? Yeah, they yeah. don't know what they're going to
1: do with it. Wow. they arrested them. Oh, they arrested
0: them? Oh, good. Praise God. Are you no. so Always, uh, let me tell you, the, said that uh, somebody stole a hundred something, hundred sticks of dynamite uh, out of some warehouse somewhere, but she said that they caught them, right? Uh, whatever. But anyway, there's always somebody trying to do something uh, devastating. But you know, when you, when, Sunday, I went over all these prophecies because I've had so many of them. And whenever these prophets, several of them especially, when you have as many as three different prophets from different places, and then we even had a confirmation, you know, from one of our own men here that his mother, which is a great woman of God, uh, Saturday afternoon, she told him, said, you know, I've been praying and seeking God, and I don't know what's going to happen here, but I believe something terrible is going to happen in, in Dallas. I believe it's going to happen on Monday. Well, when he said that, and then, of course, Rico, you know, he comes here to our church, and he said that in, in 1981, you know, whenever he fell uh, four floors and his, his practice, and he was a Dallas fireman, and they were practicing those D-rings. They slide down those deals. His D-ring broke. And it turned him loose, and he fell four floors, you know, on, and hit on his hands and his knees and his face on the concrete below. It broke nearly every bone in his body. But he technically died, and while he was dead, the Lord took him to heaven. He saw the Lord, and the Lord told him about end things that was going to happen. And he said, in 1981, he told Rico, said, George W. Bush will be the final president of the United States. The final president. And he said he will serve three terms. Isn't that amazing? It's illegal to have three terms unless there is war. Yep. And uh, he told him that. And, he, and then he told him, he said, there will be six cities during this time that will be, come under nuclear attack. And so the six cities that he told me was exactly the same six cities that these other three prophets said. All three of them named the same cities. New York City, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Dallas, San Francisco, and Cincinnati. And then the other one that wasn't in, a, in, North, in, the, in the U.S., but it was on this continent, was in Montreal. So there was seven cities. And, and they all said that this was going to happen. Three of them said this was going to happen on the 23rd, unless the church prayed. Said so if the church prayed, it would extend this time. You know, of course, all through the scriptures, God has said this. You know, when He starts to destroy something, so there's a lot of people. At least in this church, I feel like I know Cheryl and I was praying. You know, I mean, she couldn't go to sleep that night. You know, she's laying her honey. What's going to happen? What if it does happen? I said, stop talking and let's pray. <laughs> let's pray. You know, let's ask the Lord to stay this thing. We don't want to see Him. We don't want to wake up tomorrow with a boom in downtown Dallas, blow it away. We don't want to see that. But God said he was going to do that, you know, because of our wickedness. But he said, you know, that it will stop. And then, of course, we've got these other uh, prophets. There's two or three other prophets that are talking about the uh, uh, earthquake that's going to happen either the last of February or the first of March. You know, <clears throat> so anyway, two different earthquakes. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, you know. What God's going to do, but I'm done. it's a good time to be repenting of sins and seeking the King and interceding. You know, because He does hear our prayers when we walk holy and obedient to His Word. And we're going to talk about these things tonight. And I want to show you some of the things that uh, I've went back to the Scriptures and dug out a few things today I want to talk about tonight. So we're ready to get started on Tuesday night Bible study. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you're our Lord, and I want to thank you that we're your children. And Lord, I want to thank you you've given us the owner's manual to see what moves your hand and what touches your hand and what your commands are, and you've told us what to do, and when we do what you say, you'll always do what you say. So, Lord, I want to thank you for the Word. Now, Lord, as we read and study the Word of God tonight, I ask you to bless every one of us so that we'll receive this magnificent, wonderful Word, and it'll make us better Christians, better children of God as we leave here tonight, may it totally change the way we do business. And I thank you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Exodus 23, 20 is where we're going to start tonight under the law. Exodus 23, 20. And this is a promise of the Lord's presence. Now, in Exodus 23, 20, he said, see, now, of course, what I'm going to be reading out of I've done all of these scriptures out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. So they may read a little bit different than what your King James or your New King James or whatever translation you use. But the context of it will be the same because I read it in all of them. Uh, so, <clears throat> but he says here in verse 20 of Exodus 23, he said, See, I am sending my angel before you to lead you safely to the land I have prepared for you. Pay attention to him. That's the beginning. Pay attention to my angel and obey all of his instructions. Not part of them, or not a few of them, but all of his instructions. Pay attention. Now then, for us guys, that's a very good command. Because us guys, you know, if you're a normal man like me, we don't pay attention a lot of times. You know, I worked men. I mean, of course, if you're a woman and you're married to one of us, you'll you'll be able to agree with me probably very quickly that you've spoken to your husband and told him many times to do something or what you were going to do. And 30 minutes later, you said, well, honey, I'm fixing to leave. He said, where are you going? I said, well, I told you this morning at 8, I was going downtown shopping. I told you at 9.30, I was going to be leaving in about a half hour. And now then I've decided to leave. He said, I don't remember a thing you said, woman. Any of you women ever had a husband like that? Every one of you. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm saying. You know, that's why the Lord tells us, pay attention. And so we don't do a very good job of that either. Believe me, how well I know that. Don't we know that, do it? We don't pay attention, but God's telling us, pay attention and obey all of his instructions. Do not rebel against him. For he will not forgive your sins. I mean, Isn't that awesome? Now then he says this angel will not forgive your sins. He is my representative. He bears my name. He's going to lead these people. But if you are careful to obey him. Careful to obey him. Following all of my instructions. Not part of them. All of them. Then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Of course, we know who our enemy is. That's the devil and his demons. The Lord said, If you'll be careful to obey and follow all of my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will oppose those who oppose you. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Pezzarites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, so you may live there and I will destroy them. Do not worship the gods of these other nations or serve them in any way and never follow their evil example. Instead, you must utterly conquer them and break down their shameful idols. Then he says, You must serve only the Lord your God if you do, I will bless you with food and water and I will keep you healthy and there will be no miscarriages or infertility among your people and I will give you long, full lives. You hear anything in that you like? But there's some requirements, isn't there? We all love that I will give you long, full lives full of health, and I will bless you with prosperity, and you can have a new Mercedes Benz in the driveway, you can live in a big, beautiful... Hey, that sounds good, doesn't it, Michael? Absolutely. Hey, we love those kind of things, but he says, to have that, you got to obey. Uh-oh, uh-oh, now that's that's something else, isn't it? We've got to obey all of the instructions of the Lord. Well, now, we don't know what those instructions are, obviously, because... The average Christian today doesn't see themselves as a new creature in Christ that's sinless. You know, we keep saying, "Well, you know." In fact, I remember one night there was a young man sitting over here, kind of where Deborah is, and that night I said something about, "You know, we as Christians, uh, we're supposed to never sin." This young man said, "Look, sir, we may be Christians in here, but we sin." All day, every day. And we're just worthless sinners saved by grace. I looked at the door and said, you speak for yourself. You speak for yourself. I used to believe that lie, but no more. I'm a new creature in Christ today. I do make a few mistakes once in a while. But let me tell you, when I do one, I get rid of it. I confess that sin and get rid of it because I know the consequences of sin. And I don't like them. You know, I don't like for the devil to be turned loose on me. He hurts you, doesn't he? He hurts you big time. Now then, when the Lord says here to this group of people, they are to destroy the idols and all these people that will not serve him. He says, instead, you must utterly conquer them and break down their shameful idols. Do you know that when they first... I read a book one time by a man that has written about all the original constitution and how they set it up and everything. And did you know the original 13 states if you applied for statehood after those states you had to, the state had to be a state that served one god the Lord Jesus Christ you had to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ you had freedom to worship the Lord Jesus Christ any way you wanted to but no other gods you had to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And if your state didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you come in and say, we're a bunch of Muslims. They say, get out. We don't want you. We ain't taking you in statehood. You may have freedom of religion, but it's freedom of religion to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the way it was originally planned. I mean, you can go to any kind of a church you want to as long as the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord over that church. You can call it Baptist, you can call it Methodist, you can call it Church of Christ, you can call it Catholic, you can call it anything you want to, as long as Jesus Christ and the Word of God is used in that church. Now, if you've got a, a Muslim book or some other kind of book, or you've got the Buddhist book in there, and that's what you're basing your statehood on, don't come to us. You cannot be a state in the United States. Have we sunk a long ways? A long ways. What God tell us right here in this thing to do with those kind of things? He said, destroy them. Take those, their idols and conquer them. You know, we are to be children of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, the day is coming when the church is going to become a church that everybody knows we're different. The church is going to make it in the near future. I mean, this is not going to be very far in the future. The church that's going to remain, that's going to walk in power with God, is going to be a clean, chaste virgin. There ain't going to be no sins in the church that's going to last. The church he's coming for, he said, is going to be spotless and without sin. I want to be a member of that church, don't you? Absolutely. Because that church, he's going to share his power with us. We're going to be able to do great and mighty things during this devastation that's coming upon this world. And it's coming. It is coming. I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. There's too many people, too many prophets telling us too many things. And I'm telling you, what it does with me, it makes me want to really straighten my act up and walk holy before God. Every day. I want to walk in love and straightforwardness and be what he says. You know, <clears throat> So he says in Deuteronomy 11. The blessings of obedience. Now, that's what I titled this. The blessings of obedience in Deuteronomy eleven eight. Therefore, be careful to obey every command I am giving you today. Now, how many commands did he say for us to obey? Every. You think he meant that? I believe he did too. But obey everyone. So you may have strength to go in and occupy the land you are about to enter. So if you don't obey, you ain't going to have the strength. Because God's not going to go with you. He had never changed. Deuteronomy eleven eight. Now then, verse 9 says, If you obey, if you obey, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors and to you. Their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey, for the land you are about to enter and occupy is not like the land of Egypt from which you came where you planted your seeds and dug out irrigation ditches with your foot as in a vegetable garden. That was a lot of work. I mean, I've been to Egypt. I've been to that land where they've done that. Some of you may have been there too. Let me tell you, it is not a land flowing with milk and honey. Egypt's not. It is something else. It is a land This land they're going to is a land of hills and valleys and plenty of rain. A land that the Lord your God cares for and he watches over it day and night throughout the year. Now the land they came from, the land of Egypt. When I was over there in Egypt in 1977, I built a building over there. And I was there during the rainy season. And it rained less than three inches And they said, that's the only rainfall. During the rainy season, it's the only time it rains. The rest of the year, it don't rain at all. So they got less than three inches of rain in a year. You know? I got out there the other day. I got so tickled. I was in my office the other night and... And Wendy come running in and she said, Pastor, it's raining. She jumping up and down, screaming. And I said, okay, so I walk outside and this, I can just feel a drop here and a drop there. She's out there dancing, jumping up and down, saying, praise you, Lord, for the rain. And I thought, you know, Lord, if praising has got anything to do with it, it ought to start pouring down here in just a minute. And guess what happened? It started pouring down. Wendy's jumping up and down and praising the God, the Lord we serve for three or four little drops. And all of a sudden, it starts coming down like crazy. Man, I run in under the cover. I said, praise God. You know, that little gal, she's praising the king. I said, man, I guess, Lord, I better jump jumping up and down and praising you with her. And so we did. And it rained an inch and a half at our place. I mean, that was a pretty good rain. We got a nice rain. I talked to some other people said they didn't even get a quarter of an inch, you know, during the rain the other day. But the Lord says here in verse 13... If you carefully obey all the commands I'm giving you today. If you carefully obey all the commands I'm giving you today in verse 13. And if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Now you can obey, but what if you don't love him? It ain't going to happen, is it? you got to love him. With all your heart and soul. And if you worship him. You mean i got to bow down and worship him? Yeah, if you want something from Him, you've got to worship Him. I mean, I see people that will not worship God. I mean, I see people in church that are sitting there, you know, that everybody else is singing, they're sitting there like this, you know. No smile, not open their mouth. Maybe talking a little. Lord, you know, oh my goodness, I can sing a little. <laughs> they know worship and praise in that. We need to get excited about serving God. Need to praise Him and worship Him. Need to drive down the road. You know, I I still remember one night when Wendell was with me. I, he was talking to somebody on the telephone, and we was over in Grapevine, and a song just came up on me. You know, I mean, I started singing, and I was just—I had both hands up, and I got my knees on the wheel, you know. And I got both hands up. We're driving down the road, and I'm praising God, and I'm singing. I get louder and louder. Man, he just hangs the phone up, and he gets right in there with me, and he starts singing with me. We finish that song when we get through it. He said, "My goodness, I wish we'd had a recorder." He said, "We could sell that song." <laughs> But we were under the influence of the anointing of God. We were worshiping the King. You know, and that's what we need to do. We need to just, you know, get excited about Jesus. You know, worship Him and praise Him and thank Him. You know, He is worthy of our praise. Now, if you carefully obey all the commands I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and if you worship Him, then. He will send the rain in their proper season. So obviously, we have not been doing that. Because here, we have had, since last January, maybe February, I forget what, either in January and February, we had about eight, 17 or 18 inches of rain last year. And then it didn't rain no more. Didn't rain no more. I mean, we are like 20 inches behind at the end of December of this year, over a normal year. It was one of the lowest years on record in the last hundred years. We were two or three or four years that's been drier than this by a half inch or whatever. But we we're right there in the driest years ever. Now, we prayed for rain quite a bit in this church. We prayed on Sundays. I used to... I prayed... well I know some of the other men here have fasted and prayed. We've done all kinds of things. But obviously... We didn't do what was required to touch the hand of the king. Because if we had of, he would have sent the rain. But he gives us instructions right there, what we have to do. But he's talking about not just one or two of us. He's talking about the church. All of us are supposed to worship him and praise him and thank him. And I, I just know the other night, since Wendy ran out there and was just jumping up and down and praising the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the rain. I'm just jumping up and down. You know, man, we got a good rank. We're We went back inside. We worshiped. We praised. We thanked the Lord. And it rained. When Cheryl and I went across, finally, uh, to the house, you know, walking across in the rain, we're praising the King because we're getting wet. You know, thank you, Jesus, for the rain. And boy, then during the night, every time I'd wake up and it's raining, I'd say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for that beautiful rain. Let it keep falling. Well, we did get an inch and a half, you know, but I'd a whole lot. I'd liked it a whole lot better if we'd have got three or four inches because that's what we really need. Then he says here, after he says he'll, he says, I will, uh, will send the rain in their proper season so you can harvest crops of grain, grapes of wine, for wine, and olives for oil. He will give you lush pasture land for your cattle to graze in, and you yourselves will have plenty to eat. All this is promises from God. And what was the requirements? All we gotta do is do what he says. So obviously we don't do a very good job of that in the church. You know, how many church members do you know? You walk up to them and say, Hi brother, I'm Thurman Scrivener, how are you doing? Well, I'm D. Witt or whatever your name is. And say, are you my brother in Christ? And they look at you kind of strange and say, yeah. Where do you go to church? Well, I'm looking for one. I'm not going right now. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I've come down here from the north. Oh, okay. Well, when did you come? Well, I've only been here six years. I mean, I had people tell me that. I ain't found a church yet. Six years? You better find one in six weeks or six days because if you don't, you're not worshiping and praising God and He's not going to be happy with you. I'm telling you, if you want to, if you want to walk in divine health, you're going to put God first, I guarantee you, or you're not going to walk in divine health. You can't put Him second and third. You're going to put Him first. But it all depends on whether you want to walk in divine health. Have no sickness and disease. Let me tell you. I don't want to have no sickness and disease. I want to do what the Lord says. I don't want to be sick. I want to walk in obedience to his word. So I don't have to worry or be concerned tomorrow. When I wake up. Am I going to be sick? I don't want to walk out there in the devil's world. Because that's where sickness and disease come from. The Lord tells us that right here in his word. Then in verse 26. He says today I am giving. This is in Deuteronomy 11.26. We drop down from verse 26. Uh, 14, 15 to 26. Today I'm giving you the choice. I'm giving you a choice between blessings and curses. In other words, everything is a choice he gives to you. You have the choice, don't you? He's not going to make you do nothing, is he? He's going to say, now here's the choice. You know, you can either do what I tell you or you can do what the enemy tells you and This is what's going to happen if you choose, and this is what's going to happen if you go the other way. So he tells us that right here. Now he says, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. Now let me tell you, there is only blessings and curses. There is no such thing as accidents. I don't care who you are, there's no such thing. They're either blessings or curses. Now, I used to think that when I did something, I thought, well, that's an accident. I had an accident. Nope. It was because I was disobedient to God's word and I opened the door to the devil. And that's why it happened to me. So he says, verse 27 says, you will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God. You will be blessed. That I am giving you today, you will receive a curse if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn from his way by worshiping foreign gods. So, he's given you and me the choice to either receive a blessing or a curse. Right here would be a good place to tell. I was not going to tell this, but Cheryl demanded that I tell this. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I hate to tell on myself, but she demanded that I tell this. So, uh, y'all got to know I'm a human being, too. Oh, goodness gracious. This is... Oh, tell on you too much. <laughs> well, it's a whole lot better when I tell what she did wrong instead of me. You all know that? Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, I tell on her too much. But the other day, some of you all know that, you know, that we're putting us a little place together out there. I'm adding a bunch of bathrooms for the minister center Anna, and I'm building Cheryl now a little place to live right behind it. They're all inside of that. And she didn't want a standard size bathtub. She wanted a bigger than normal bathtub. And so, and it cost a whole lot more money. So, and the faucets, she wanted a whole lot more expensive faucets. So naturally, me as a man, I fussed. You know, I grumbled. You all know God said do everything without grumbling. Did, did he say do everything without grumbling and complaining? Yes, he did. But do I do it? Not every time. No, unfortunately, I don't. And so anyway, I grumbled a little, but I bought her the bathtub and the faucets. And then on the way home, I realized this thing is 40 inches wide instead of 30 inches wide like a standard tub. Now, I got all the walls of the house up. All the doors are in. Hey, I, on the way home, I thought, oh, my goodness, I, can't, I bought this bathtub, paid for it. And I can't get and ordered it special, and I can't even get it in the house. What am I going to do now? I thought, man, have I got a problem. Then I thought, oh, nope, nope. I said, okay, okay, okay. I got them big double bay windows in the front. I can take those windows back out. And we can get it in. So I just make sure I don't put no more walls in there so we can get through and put it where it goes. <clears throat> I said, okay, we can do that. But I fussed a little about that, you know, about having to take that out. So everything's going along pretty good. And we get the bathtub this last week. I called them. They said it'll be here right after the first of the year. So we've been real busy with a bunch of stuff. And then, of course, after I heard these prophecies about Dallas might not be here Monday, you know, Last Thursday, I called them and asked, since this place is downtown Dallas, I called them and asked my bathtub's there because I've already paid for this thing. And I don't want it to get by, you know. (laughs) So anyway, I mean, you know, I call them, just a man, you know. And so I call them. They say, yes, it's there. So I run down there in my pickup and I load it up and I get it and I bring it home and I get out there. And Dave Rosenfeld, he comes out there. He's going to help me. And, of course, he said, we can get uh, Phil. He can come help us, too. And I said, well, we got to take these windows out. And then I said, you know, isn't it amazing? My wife had to have this great big bathtub for all, if she had only wanted a standard one like everybody else, we could have carried it through the door. I wouldn't have to tear all these windows out again. Now, I'm just kind of coarse joking. See, uh, Keith, we, 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 we just don't learn very good. You know what? Us guys. So I'm coarse joking about this a little bit. And then when Phil gets out there, I said, okay, y'all get a hold. Let's put it in there. And I said, you know, if my wife was only normal and wanted a normal tub instead of a big one, you know, I said, we could have tucked it right through the door. But I said, since she had to have this big one, you know, we've got to take the windows out and put it in. Okay, little coarse joking, you know, you know, she ain't out there, see, so I'm just kind of joking with the guys, see. <laughs> so we get the bathtub in the house, get it in the place where it goes, and we go back out there and we pick up the first window and we put it back in and i put all the screws back in it and everything works perfect and we put the second one in and i start putting the screws in and when we're putting the screws in i have one right in the bottom it doesn't appear to want to line up and so it's a two inch screw so i put my screw gun on it and of course it's down close to the ground i'm down on my knees you know man i got my head up here close and i'm my body's stiff and i'm pushing on this screw gun as hard as i can to get it to go through that metal and as I'm going through, all of a sudden that screw slipped off to the side. And when it did, me and the gun goes forward. And I'm telling you, it's just like a devil of hell put his hand on the back of my head and slammed my head into that window. And it just busted my head open, busted my nose and everything else. And you know, I didn't tell nobody, but I knew what I had done. <laughs> and so last night, David, I was sitting there talking in my office. And he said, Thurman... After what I have observed that happens, <laughs> I am completely convinced when we're not totally walking in love, we're walking in the devil's world and he's going to get us. I said, Yeah, did you notice what happened to me after he said, That's one of the things I just noticed. He said, I didn't say anything to you when this happened. I thought, Oh goodness, Thurman has coarse joked just a little bit over having to put this bathtub through these windows, and look what it cost him. Busted his head open, busted his nose and everything else. Oh, that's a, well, yeah, it's nearly healed up by today. But you ought to seen it the other day. It was laid open. I hit that window hard. And, of course, last night we were laying there. Cheryl was talking about, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Your head's up, busted up. And the Lord healed. She's praying over me and everything else. And I said, well, I guess I deserve what I got. She said, what do you mean? I told her, she said, you have got to tell the church this story. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but they don't need to hear this story. She said, yes, they need to learn by example. (laughs) I mean, see, it don't make it every... If you're the pastor and you do something, you grumble. God says, okay, you want to grumble? I'll let the devil get you. You ain't one of my favorites. That's bad news, isn't it, Keith? That's bad news. We We better stop grumbling, right? Absolutely. So, see, I mean, how many experiences have we had with people in here... Over the, over the past year or two that have either grumbled or done something and we've seen God put something on them. We've, allowed a cur- we've seen them with a curse and some of them have repented and get instantly healed. How many times have we seen this? So see, we look at this and you know, God wouldn't do nothing like that to me. He wouldn't possibly do something like that to me. Yes, He will. Yes, He will. He says He will. And I'm telling you, He means what He says. And let me tell you this example. The higher up the ladder you get, and the more knowledge you get, the more he holds you accountable. you shaking your head or You know that too, don't you, Deborah? That you. Yep, that's right. And, and when, you, when, you're, when you're the little baby, he kind of lets you get by with a few things. But after you've walked in obedience to his word and read it and studied it, you become a full-grown child. And he said, now then, I hold you accountable. He said, don't you dare do what these things I told you not to do because I'm holding you accountable. And the hero was, did he say in his work, no coarse joking? Yep. He sure did. Was I doing that? Yes, I was. I am telling those guys, you know, we're just a little, just telling a coarse joke. I've already resolved I've got to buy this bigger tub. I've already bought it, went and got it and got it there. But now then, since Cheryl's not out there, I'm kind of coarse joking with him about, you know, my wife. Is she just be normal and wanted a normal-sized tub. I could have walked right through the door with it. I wouldn't have to tear the windows out. You know. good thing she's not normal, so she's moving into the ministry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, don't course joke, no, guys. It could cost you like it did me. I'm telling you, I hit that window so hard, it busted my head, laid it wide open, right there, right there, and, of course, hit my nose and everything. But I had to tell her last night, when she was so merciful laying hands on me, praying and pleading with God to do a good job on healing me. I had to tell her why it going to pass. And that's when she said, you've got to tell that story to the church. I said, oh my goodness, grace is alive. Okay. <laughs> so, did, do you see, God means what he says here, doesn't he? Yeah, no, no, she didn't stop praying for me. She still prays for me. Praise the Lord. You know, She she still loves me. Even... Do Do what? because a lot of people would not and they would be so mad if anybody would tell us. But, I mean, you know, I realize that God has no favorites in His kingdom. You know, it doesn't matter if it's me or you or whatever and you need to stop and think, if He will allow the enemy to do that to me, after all, I'm one of His pastors. I'm teaching His Word. He ought to at least forgive me for those little things. He said, no, I hold you more accountable. More accountable. To them, much is given, much is required. He said, I'll let some of my babies get wild with those kind of things, but not you. He said, I expect more of you. So when you learn that, wow, you got to realize, hey, it makes you realize, he's not playing games with me. That's just like that, uh, in fact, uh, John Paul Jackson was the guy's name, and some of you know him. He's a great man of visions and dreams, and I was sitting in a restaurant having dinner with him one night. We'd been on a TV show together. And after the TV show was over, we were talking about things that happened. And he told me about when he had been to Europe. I've been over there for like a month. And he came home and his wife, he got all upset at her about something, about mowing the grass or something. I don't remember all the details. But he said something like, well, I'll just go mow it myself since you didn't do it. And he goes outside, grabs a mower and don't make a round until he picks up a piece of steel on the, and it slams it through his leg and rips it open and have to take him to the hospital and put nine stitches in his leg. On the way home, he said, Lord, I can't believe I've been in Europe for a month serving you, doing all these things. And I come home and the first thing happens is I get injured. What, why did this happen to me? And the Lord spoke to me in clear. He said, because of what you did to your wife. He said, you opened the door to your enemy because of what you did to your wife. And you give him legal right to rip your leg open because of the way you talk to your wife. Isn't that amazing? Nine stitches in his leg. He sat right there across the dinner table and told me that story. So see, he's just like the rest of us. He's a man too. He makes mistakes. Great man of God. But then the Lord says in Deuteronomy 21, let me read to you something that About how to deal with your rebellious children. Let's see what God says about rebellious children. In Deuteronomy 21 verse 18. Suppose a man has a stubborn rebellious son. Who will not obey his father or mother. Have you ever seen kids like that? Yeah Yeah, I have seen a few like that. Well the Lord has the answer. It's a little bit tougher than most of us want to see. Even though you discipline him. In other words, this is the first responsibility mom and daddy has to discipline the son. And then if he still refuses to obey you, says in such cases the father and mother must take the son before the leaders of the town. I wish we had some good leaders. (laughs) They must declare this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and he refuses to obey. He is a worthless drunkard then all the men of the town must stone him to death. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? I mean, we're not going to give him a whipping and put him back at it. We're going to stone him to death because he won't obey Mom and daddy. In this way, you will cleanse the evil from among you, and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. Now then, if children thought this was going to happen to them today, Oh, you think there'd be some of them straightening our act up, huh? There might have been some of us straightened our act up a little quicker if we'd have thought that was going to be the consequences, right? But see, this, this God we serve, he's got some serious stuff in here. And when we listen to what he says, we think, Wow, God wouldn't do nothing like that to us. Oh, yeah, he will. And because it's written in this book. He means what he says, doesn't he? Absolutely. That's pretty tough. I'm telling you what, if I had a son, he'd have to be a pretty rebellious child before I went to the city, wouldn't you? I mean, he'd have to. Cause guess what? They, they're go, they're going to take him and they're going to stone him and kill him. He ain't coming back. Guarantee he'd sure have to be rebellious if he's mad. you know. But what if you had a rebellious son and he was a drunkard and constantly doing all these things and you didn't take him to the city? God's going to hold you accountable. He's going to hold you accountable. Then in Deuteronomy twenty-eight, starting with verse fifty-eight. Deuteronomy twenty-eight, fifty-eight, he says, If you refuse to obey. Wow, that's what I say, Benjamin. Wow. If you refuse to obey all the terms of this law that are written in this book, and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm both you and your children. And indescribable plagues, these plagues will be intense and without relief, making you miserable and unbearably sick. That's not only for you, but for your children. He said, if you don't obey. If you refuse to obey. Talking about you, the adult. If you refuse to obey, to obey what God says. He says all these rules in this book. If you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm both you and your children with undescribable plagues. Sickness and disease will come upon you and your children if you do not obey God. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? It's kind of scary. These plagues will be intense and without relief, all because of their disobedience, making you miserable and unbearably sick. You ever seen people miserably in pain and sickness? All the time. Never has changed. So there's something here that we're not doing right, even in the church. The church is not, the church uses this old cliché. Well, I'm saved by grace and God forgives all my sins so I can do anything I want to do and I'm still okay. Let me tell you, that don't fly with God. That don't fly with the king. You make those kind of statements, I guarantee the devil will have legal right to you and he will bring devastating things upon you and your children. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. He will bring against, verse 60 says, He will bring against you all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much and they will claim you. The Lord will bring against you every sickness and plague there is, even those not mentioned in the book of the law, until you are destroyed. <clears throat> Why is all this sickness and disease coming upon these people we're talking about here? Because of disobedience, because of sin. You think the king's changed any? No, he still don't like disobedience. He still don't like sin. Though you are as numerous as the stars of the sky, few of you will be left because you would not listen to the Lord your God. In fact, I listened to that uh, deal here a while back about the guy that was talking about the uh, AIDS epidemic in Africa. And he's talking about... I, I, it's It's like every... It's either every other person or every third person in Africa is inflicted with AIDS. And they say that in the next, like, ten years, if something don't happen, half of the population of Africa will die with AIDS. Isn't that awesome? Why? Yeah, horrible. Why? Why? Because they're so loose sexually. I mean, no, but no problem. Anybody has sex with anybody down there? It's a free-for-all as a rule. Why do they inflict each other? You know, I mean, why why do you see a man that, or a woman, but for sure a man that is inflicted with AIDS and moves in with a woman and don't tell her he's got AIDS? Well, you know, if she's dumb enough to move in with him, to live with him and not being married to him, she's going to get the consequences of her sin. That's just the way it is. God says he's going to bring these terrible diseases upon these people because of their disobedience. Wow. That's kind of awesome. Then he says, Just as the Lord has found great pleasure in helping you to prosper and multiply you, the Lord will find pleasure in destroying you until you disappear from the land you're about to enter and occupy. Does it give the Lord great pleasure to bless us when we obey? Sure. But he says he gives him great pleasure to destroy us when we disobey. I don't understand that, but it's written in the Word. So I just have to believe it's true. Then in 1 Samuel 12, 14. 1 Samuel 12, 14. It says, Now if you will fear and worship the Lord and listen to His voice. Now these are just a few places in the Scripture I pull these things out. There are many, many more of these types of Scriptures in the Word of God. But in 1 Samuel 12, 14. Now, if you will fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, and if you and your king, if you and your king, follow the Lord your God, then all will be well. But if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be as heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors." We have to worship and praise the king. Has this nation done that? Not hardly. Not hardly. I mean, we are way overdue for judgment as far as I'm concerned. Since the 60s, whenever it was, 61, 63, whenever it was, when the Roe versus Wade came into existence, I read an article that came across my email the other day. said, 45 million babies in America. Have been slaughtered. I can't even grasp that number. Forty-five million. How many people live in the entire Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex with all of its little suburbs? How many people? About how many? Four to five million? Okay, four to five million. Let's just round it off at five. Say there was a total of 5 million people in the whole thing. How do you think that we would feel if something here tonight and just wiped out all 5 million of us? That's only 5 million people. That's just a handful. You know, 45 million babies have been slaughtered and killed. 45 million. That's legal. Oh, it's legal, she's saying. Do what? It's legal, she's saying. Oh, Oh, I know. yeah you're right, uh, Deborah. We're only counting the ones we know about. I mean, there could have been another 10 or 15 million we don't even know about. That could have been done in special clinics or something that nobody recorded. And you know that's a, that's a fact. But there's forty five million just just a minute, Dan, let me get a mic so we can hear it. <clears throat> yeah, but it's it's amazing it's amazing. What happens? Yes,
1: sir. Thank you, Thurman. No,
0: no, around, no. Hold, hold it up. Hold it. It'll it come can on. Can you hear me
1: through this? Yeah. Okay. There's a church on the west side of Fort Worth. Belair and I are from Fort Worth. And on what's on, um, oh, I've forgotten, Cherry Lane, that has 413 white crosses in the yard of the church. They say there's that many abortions in the city of Fort Worth every month. But they have in memory, these white crosses in memory to all of the children that are aborted
0: each month—amazing—all the little children that die. Well, God sends those little guys, and I think about this uh, advertisement that I saw in the newspaper one time. There is a couple of guys standing down there. Evidently, they were homosexuals and they had AIDS, and they're crying out with their hands raised. God. Send us a cure for AIDS. And a voice comes from up top, and the caption says, "I did, and you aborted him. I did, you aborted him." See, wonder how many wonder how many boys and girls God sent with the knowledge in them to do great and mighty things for this earth, and we killed them. You know, who knows? You know, who knows what God has sent? We're going to say God said abstinence. <laughs> no, but that's the thing about That is the answer. Yes. Oh, I mean, I guarantee you, you know, there's no two ways about it. We all know the cure yes. for AIDS, and it is abstinence, you know. I mean, you know, God, in His infinite grace and mercy, I mean, He is the one that made normal sex between one man and one woman. And He made it good. You know, it's enjoyable. You know, I mean, he lets the man and the woman when they get married have the first year off to enjoy each other and their sexual relationship. And for the average woman, there's only a matter of hours each month that she can get pregnant. You know, at the average woman. If everything's working like it's supposed to. So God didn't plan for every time a man and a woman have sex for them to get pregnant. You know, he planned for just once in a while to bring children but, you know, that, that that was God's plan. But he never planned for a woman and a woman to have sex. He never planned for a man and a man to have sex. He always planned one man, one woman, the natural way to have sex. And then he said, I'll bless it. If you'll do it my way, I will bless that because I give you that relationship. So when a man and woman gets married, you know, they ought to pray over their marriage bed every day when, or whenever they're going to have sex. They ought to ask God to bless it. You know, you should never go to bed with your mate without asking God to bless what you do in that marriage bed. And anything you do, you ought to do it with full assurance that the king is standing there watching you. Now, if you feel comfortable with whatever you're doing in the marriage bed, and he's standing there watching you, then enjoy it. But if you can feel comfortable, then don't do it. Because he's there. Isn't that amazing? He is there. He knows everything you do. He knows everything you do and he's with you every second of every day. So realize the king is there and he knows everything you do. So he's keeping very good records. But he blesses you when you obey and when you don't obey, it opens the door to that devil. Just like me the other day in the little tiny coarse joke he busted my head wide open. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I mean, that wasn't no fun either, how It hurt. It laid my head open. And, I, of course, I didn't even look up. I just kept working and, and got the windows put in and everything. In a little while, when we got through, Dave went somewhere, and he'd come back in a little while. He's got a, a rag with water, and everything. like, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to wash your head. He said, blood's running plum down your eyes. And so I reached up and done like this, and, oh, got a handful of blood. I said, You're right. So he washed me off and everything and showed me compassion. And then this last night when me and him sat there and talked, he said, Thurman, I am realizing (laughs) that any time we're not walking in that love relationship, totally obedient to the word, we open the door to the devil. And I said, yeah, I know. I did that with the window. He said, I know. That's one of the, I was there. I saw that. He said, I know. And he said, "I, I realize now, although you were just joking about it, it still opened the door. And that's why you got hurt. I said, you're absolutely right. So, do you think, when God says don't grumble and complain, even don't coarse joke about grumbling and complaining, you think he meant what he said? Yeah. So you want to have any accidents? You want to walk free of all that? I do. Guess what? I guess I'm going to have to put a layer of duct tape around here. <laughs> or I can't say nothing. If I, if I can't say nothing, then I've got to watch my thoughts. Because guess who can read your thoughts? The king can. The Lord can even read your thoughts. Now then he says, in verse 16 of 1 Samuel 12, he says, Now stand here and see the great thing the Lord is about to do. You know that it does not rain at this time of the year during the wheat harvest. I will ask the Lord to send thunder and rain today. Then you will realize how wicked you have been in asking the Lord for a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. Pray to the Lord your God for us, or we will die, they cried out to Samuel. For now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong. But make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and that you don't turn your back on Him anymore. Don't go back to worshiping these worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They really are useless. The Lord will not abandon His people for that would dishonor His great name. He made you a special nation for Himself. As for me... I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayer for you. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and sincerely worship him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. But if you continue to sin, you and your king will be destroyed. That's pretty clear, isn't it? If you love him and worship him, what's he going to do? Well, bless your socks off. Gina, me and you like to have our socks blessed off, don't we, girl? (laughs) We love it. But he says, if you continue to sin, you will be destroyed. That's a guarantee, too. Then in Job 36, and it will be in the New Testament. In Job 36, verse 5, it says, God is mighty. Boy, is that a true statement. Yet he does not despise anyone. He is mighty in both power and understanding. He does not let the wicked live, but he gives justice to the afflicted. He does not let the wicked live. Job what? He does, yeah. This is Job 36, starting with verse 5. He never, his eyes never leave the innocent, but he establishes and exalts them with kings forever. If trouble come upon them and they are enslaved and afflicted, he takes the trouble, he takes the trouble to show them the reason. If troubles come upon them and they are enslaved and afflicted, he takes the trouble to show them the reason. He shows them their sins, for they have behaved proudly. He gets their attention and says they must turn away from evil. Can he get your attention? I mean, he can get your attention. He got mine the other day. I'm telling you, I have never, I I wouldn't have believed I could hit a window frame that hard from two inches away from it. I would never have believed. That I could have hit that hard enough to bust my head wide open when just a screw gun turned. But I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart there was a demon right behind me that when that screw gun slipped, he just shoved my head into that window. I mean, it literally laid it open. I mean, it gashed it plumb. I mean, it really laid it open. No course joking about your sweetheart, huh? <laughs> she loves that story. <laughs> Next time I even start to say something, I can just see her now saying. She will not say anything, will she? Just shake her finger at me. Remember, I'm his little daughter. You better treat me nice. (laughs) Woo! Yes, Lord. (laughs) I got it, Lord. I'm listening. I didn't like that busted open head the other day. Verse 11. If they listen and obey. If they listen and obey the Lord, then they will be blessed with prosperity. Now, I like that. I like to be blessed with prosperity. (laughs) If they they listen and obey, there's always a requirement, isn't there? Always a requirement. (laughs) The biggest word in the Bible, if. If. If you listen and obey God... Then you will be blessed with prosperity throughout your life. Not just for a little short period of time. All their years will be pleasant. Ooh, I like that, don't you? All of your years will be pleasant. But if you refuse to listen to him, they will perish in battle and die from lack of understanding. For the godless are full of resentment. Even when he punishes them, they refuse to cry out to him for help. They die young after wasting their lives in immoral living. But by means of their suffering, he rescues those who suffer, for he gets their attention through adversity. I mean, if you never had any problems, can, can you imagine how worthless you would be If whenever you were born, you were born into a family that had millions and nobody ever reprimanded you. I mean, every time you needed $50 or $500 or you needed, I mean, you had the finest 10-speed bicycle when you were young with golden seats on it. And as soon as you got 16, you had a brand new, I mean, a Rolls Royce, not a Lexus, a Rolls Royce sitting in the driveway. And if you wrecked it, no problem, Daddy give you another one. You know, I mean, if anything you wanted, He'd give it to you. And you never had any problems. You just had everything you wanted. You had a huge mansion to live in. I mean, you would be worthless. You know that? You would literally be worthless. Of course, God knew all that. That's why He don't do that to us. Because He knew we would literally be worthless. And some of us, if we're not careful when we start getting past college and all that stuff and get a good job and everything. And especially if we get a good job where we really seem to be doing good and advance on up in the companies and so forth. We begin to think, you know, look at me. I'm somebody. You know, look at all them guys that graduated me in high school. I, I'm the best of all of them. Woo. That Pratt when you got that, you better watch it. You better watch it. Your mouth's fixing to get you in trouble. And you may be getting set for a fall. So don't ever go there. You know, if you are one of those that's been blessed like that every day, wake up and say, Lord, I want to thank you for blessing me. I want to thank you for blessing me. In fact, right here, talking about how things can be blessed, would you, would you mind coming here and tell us a story about your company? Would you do that? He told me a story today that the company he's working for, and you got to hear this story. You, it's amazing what God's word does for us. Just tell us surprise me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but that's okay. My name is Lauren Freeman, and <clears throat> I work for a. have been working for a company since November 2004, um, Christian owned. Uh, from the very day I walked in there, we had a Bible study led by the owner of the corporation every morning. It is an uh, invitation. And a very nice place to work. But as you know, in business sometimes a little bit of the bad gets mixed in with some of the good. And honestly, it's bothered me. um, Sometimes more than others. uh, To the point of even wanting to quit. And seeking other employment. I I love the people there and I've been able to fellowship with them. I've seen, uh, I believe, three people in the office accept the Lord as Savior. That doesn't happen on a corporate level, but still there was those um, biblically objectionable things that we did on a daily basis, and it really wasn't intentional, but sin by omission is still sin. So this past week, last week, first of the week, the owner comes into the big meeting. We have a hoorah every morning after the Bible study and hands everybody new wording in the, the uh, script that we use. Sweeping changes. I mean to tell you from top to bottom of that thing, it has changed and it, there ain't nothing wrong with it now. Praise the Lord. And he stated to everybody there that he came under strong conviction. And we are to not lie or deceive by omission. Anyone that gets caught doing it will be written up once, second offense, third time, you're gone. And if you, any of you don't like it in a room more full than this, any of you that don't like it, right there is the door. Hmm. That is awesome. I'm telling you, I've just rejoiced, especially when my wife said, no, you ain't going to quit. You don't come too far there. You just wait. It's going to be all right. All right, honey. But... (laughs) The greatest thing about it, I mean, it's a, it, we're here to make money. We're here to help people. But the goal of the, the, goal of the company is to hit a certain number every week in their, in their sales, okay? And every other time over the past that I've been with them that there was a sweeping change such as this, sales went down for quite a while. It was a struggle to get back to where it needed to be because everybody had to adjust to it. Well, the number to hit was a certain number, and we hit it that week. Didn't miss a lick, so God is in it. But I want to tell you, I found out today, or yesterday, that (coughs) from my manager, and we were talking about different things, and as I've confessed before, I try to work some of this in everywhere I go, especially with people I work, and I've handed out many tapes and CDs and and been able to be a very, uh, praise God, effective witness to some folks to help them in a the daily struggle because the, the enemy comes. But my, my manager stated to me, you know, because we were talking about healing and th- healing and other things, and he stated to me that, oh yeah, the owner handed me a CD and it was Thurman. Sermon- Something. I said, Thurman Scrivener? Are you kidding me? So, these tapes and teachings that are given freely bless immensely. Now, over the seven or eight months that I've been listening to continually back and forth to work, I've laid these around and somehow it got into the owner's hands. Because che- he checks those things of what we do, even where we go online. And, and it's, it's, it's kept up with. Well, I just can picture this man, a millionaire, listening to this, and coming under conviction and changing his whole company to better it for the Lord. And he named he named a parent company after a book in the Bible, and that's changing the whole name of the company. I'm not going to tell it on tape, but it's powerful. It's where the rubber meets the road if you know where it's got, where I'm going there. Amen. Now I just praise God to be able to work someplace like that. Just to be able to walk into someplace like that. Where the spirit is, is free to travel and do what it wants to. Amen. That is just awesome. And I'm Amen. another Amen. thing from the teachings of Pastor
0: Scriffner. Praise God. Thank God. you, Lord. I praise the Lord. <laughs> The name of the tape that changed that company was Know Your Enemy. That's what the man had been listening to, the owner of the company. What he the yeah, after, after he'd listened to the teaching, Know Your Enemy, he walked in and made all those changes to his company. And you think, wow, Lord, what can you do with your word? Anything. All you got to do is tell it just exactly like it is. And God... Will bless everybody that obeys what he says without fail. Isn't that amazing? God's word. That's why we give these things away to everybody. Just like the other day when I was listening to that, that manager of the radio station of Brownwood called me and he said, uh, I just wanted to talk to you personally. He said, uh, about six weeks ago, I went to a garage sale and there was a CD on healing said, healing school. And he said, I'm interested in healing. He said, how much is that? And the lady said, those are free. said, I give those away. And so I picked up one of them and said, I went home and listened to it and said, it so changed my life as a Christian. He said, I called your ministry and ordered some more, and you sent me a box of CDs and DVDs. And he said, every night for the last six weeks, when I come home at night at 9 o'clock... My wife and I turned the TV on and put in one of your DVDs. And from 9 till 12, we both sat there. And he said, we've done that seven nights a week for the last six weeks. He said, I am a graduate of a four-year Bible college. And he said, I've learned more about the Word of God in the last six weeks and have all the rest of my life put together. He said, you have changed my life forever. I think, wow. What does God do with His Word? I mean, I love teaching His Word. I love to see him do his miracles and all the things he does. I love it. But see, he's the one made this. All I'm telling you tonight is what the king said. All we're doing is reading scripture. You know, and this is what God tells us to do. Now, does he hold me accountable just like he does you? Yes, he does. He has no favorites. He watches over every one of us. Now then, if you're a little baby in Christ, he may let you get by with something he won't let me get by with. But, you know, when somebody, the ladies over here said, well then, maybe I shouldn't go up like that. (laughs) I told her, no, you don't want to go there. Because if you don't grow, he certainly don't like that. Now, he'll be a little bit patient with you for a little while. And if he sees, you're going to say, well, I ain't going there. Because he say, okay, then bam. And he'll let the hammer fall upon you. Then, let's go to Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Acts five twenty nine. We get over to the New Testament now. Acts five twenty nine, but Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human authority. Now we has this changed? This is in the New Testament now. This is the church. We must obey God rather than man or human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by crucifying him. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this to give the people of Israel an opportunity to turn from their sins and turn to God so their sins would be forgiven. Boy, what a blessing. Aren't we grateful to the Lord? We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey Him. Isn't that amazing about what we can get from God if we obey? Isn't it amazing what we get from God if we don't obey? I don't want those things that you get when you don't. (laughs) Do you, Michael? I don't like that. I don't like that switch on my backside. Do you? Absolutely not. It is absolutely incredible that all of these sicknesses and diseases that come upon us due to our sin. I mean, some of the things Cheryl and I have noticed in this last year and a half that we've been married, as we've ministered to people together, whatever you're using to sin, that's where the devil attacks. You know, like you are talking evil about somebody, you go out and just talk evil about somebody. Wake up in the morning with your throat kinked, and you know somebody. Most people will never realize that. Oh, I'm talking evil about Thurman or about so and so or or whoever or, or anybody. You're talking evil about some, and in the morning or tomorrow afternoon, all of a sudden you begin to come down with laryngitis. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I miss can talk. Well, let me go to the doctor. And get some medication. And two two or three weeks later, yeah, after a few dollars worth of medication and a 100 or $200 doctor visit, you get better. You didn't have to have that. You could have watched your mouth and not had it. But we've come to realize that what you use to sin is where the devil attacks. So if you're using your mouth, and some of the things we've noticed, eyes, cancers in eyes. Always the man is in pornography. If he's got cancer in his eye, it's because of sin. Sometimes they have a roaming eye, and they just look at women where they're not supposed to look at them. And it will bring bad, devastating things to their eyes. It's always what you use to sin that comes under attack. Isn't that so amazing? I mean, we just see this over and over. We just begin to put this together, and we see it all the time. Hey, it makes you want to straighten your act up. It makes you want to walk holy. Because just like right here, he says we're supposed to obey God rather than man. And if we obey God, he says God will give us the Holy Ghost to those that obey. So if you don't obey, guess what? If you don't have the Holy Ghost, how much power are you going to have with God if you don't have the Holy Ghost? You ain't going to do nothing. I mean, there ain't going to be no miracles, no healings, no Nothing. When you pray, virtually nothing is going to happen because the Holy Ghost is the one that does these things on this earth. If you don't have him, now if you're walking in disobedience, he is not there. And so you can do everything you want to. I mean, you can read all these scriptures and say this is going to happen. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to lay hands on this sick, or I'm going to cast this devil out. And if you're walking in disobedience. You might be like the seven sons of Sheba. You know, when they come up and said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out of him. And that devil spoke up and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know about. But who are you? And one man jumps on seven men and begins to rip their clothes off of them and tears them up and makes them bleeding, leaves them beat up and bleeding and rips all their clothes off of them. And all seven men flee just one little man. With a demon in him. The, see, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. I mean, when Paul... You know, when he walks up... In, when this, you know, different people... Uh, come up with him with demons in them. When Paul says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth... Come out of him. You know, the devil comes out. Things happen. Why? Because Paul was obedient. He had repented. He walked in obedience to God's word. He had the Holy Ghost with power. Now, if you want the Holy Ghost with power... Oh, you want that too, huh? You do. You're hungry for that power because you love to see God answer your prayer too, don't you, young lady? I do too. I most definitely love seeing God do these miracles of healing and different wonderful things that he does. But he's not going to do them for you if you're living in sin. I mean, you've got to walk holy and obedient to his word. I can only imagine if I could get to that point where I could really become completely holy like Jesus What would he do? The same things he did with Jesus. But it's obvious, I haven't got there yet. But we're struggling to get there. Cheryl and I, we're sharpening each other. We're doing our best to watch each other, to see when we sin or whatever, so that we can walk totally, completely, wholly in obedience to God's Word. We can walk in a love relationship with each other and with God, so that when we pray, He shows up. I love to see Him answer my prayer. And I know you do, too. But you've got to walk in obedience to His Word to see it happen. Then in Romans chapter 2, we'll read a little bit here about God's judgment of sin. Romans chapter 2 says, You may be saying what terrible people you have been talking about, but you are just as bad. Now, that's scary, isn't it? So we're talking about uh, one of these guys that's doing something bad. We're talking about the Lord says through, the, through the Paul in the book of Romans, But you are just as bad as you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. What? I mean, God's going to punish those that do such things? Well, that's what the Word says. Verse 3. Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and not judge you when you do them too? I mean, so you think, well, gee whiz, there's a guy where he's lying, he's cheating, he's beating up somebody, he's getting drunk, you know, he's sleeping around with some other person that he's not supposed to be, but he's a Christian, it's okay for him. Oh, no, it ain't. The same kind of punishments going to come up on him for doing those kind of things. I mean, goodness gracious alive! I mean, all you got to do is just sin, and you open the door to the devil. I mean, I can see people. I think about that couple that came to my house several years ago. This is this is an awesome story. This woman had been married to a man for thirty-five or so years, and she was healthy, and he was healthy. And they were like fifty five years old fifty four fifty five years old, and all of a sudden something happened, and he died kind of suddenly. maybe he would maybe it was a little earlier now I think they, I think they were about fifty when he died, anyway, they were pretty close to the same age. she was within a year or two of him, and so she was healthy, and he had been healthy, and all of a sudden he died with something and then shortly thereafter, a man that was married to another woman. He knew her and he had went with her in high school and he saw in the newspaper that, you know, her husband had died. So he goes by and takes her a card and goes in and talks with her and, you know, tells her how sorry he is that her husband died and all this stuff. And they visit a little while, and then he goes his way, and in a couple of weeks he comes by, and again tells her how sorry he is, and he knows how she must miss him, and he'd love to take her to dinner, you know, so they could sit and talk over dinner. Now he's got a wife at home. He didn't bring her. You see anything wrong with this picture already? Yeah, yeah, now, if he wants to do something nice for this woman, he should have brought his wife, and the two of them should take this lady somewhere, right? No, 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 he don't bring his wife he takes her to dinner a few times and then one day he calls me and he said, I've got this very, very good friend of mine that has had a stroke and I heard you on the radio and I heard you talking about getting people healed and I wonder if I could bring her out there. I said, Sure, come on. So they came out to my house one afternoon. I saw him when they pulled up in front, he went around, opened the door, helped her get out. Brought her in. When he brought her into the into the kitchen in my house, he had his arm around her. He's helping her get sat down and everything. And so I thought it was his wife. I didn't know. But then I remembered he said she was a good friend of his. And I thought, boy, it must be a really good friend because he's really friendly with her. He's really handling her gentle and lovingly and everything. And so we get to talking. And I say, are you two married after a little while? And they said, oh, no. And I said, are you married, sir? He said, well, yeah. I said, well, where's your wife? He said, well, she's at home. I said, does she know you're here with her? And he said, well, no. I just went by and got her and brought her out here. I said, are you married? She said, I was. But my husband died about a year ago. And I said, was you healthy when your husband died? Oh yeah, hadn't never had any physical problems. Only about fifty years old now. And I said, and this stroke came upon you just for no reason. She said, Well, I don't understand it. Why it happened? I said, Are, are you two been seeing each other? I mean, what is y'all's relationship? He said, well, she was my old high school sweetheart. And then when I saw that her husband died, I'd just been nice to her and going over and visiting her some. But I said, your wife does not know you're here with her tonight. He says, no. I said, let me be blunt. He said, what do you mean? I said, how long after you two went to bed together did she come down with a stroke? She says, looked at me and said, about one month. I said, about one... You were totally healthy. You went to bed with this guy, although your husband died. Now, you're committing adultery. You're not married to him. He's married, and you know it, and you go to bed with him, and 30 days later, or about that, you are down with a stroke. She said, yes, that's the way it happened. God don't play games, does He? Both of them are Christians, or said they was. And he said, well, you know... I would like to marry her. I said, sir, you can't marry her. You have a wife. And and he said, well, I said, no, 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 no. Don't go there. You can't think about divorcing her to marry her. You can't go there. He said, well, what if my wife were to die? Would I then be legal to marry her? I said, sir, I'm going to tell you what, and I'm going to guarantee you this. Your wife is going to outlive you. With that kind of an attitude, I will guarantee your woman will outlive you. You will never be married to this woman because you are lusting for her. And I said, you ought to be at home with your wife. I said, what you two need to do is repent. You need to both get on your face before God and ask him to forgive you. And I said, you need to never show up at her house again. Never, under no conditions, unless you take your wife with you. And they left my house that night in total disarray. They had never heard that sin brings sickness and disease into your life. Never heard it. Both have been in church all of their life. I had no idea when they went to bed together. They, they were op- Oh, yeah. They repented. She said, what do you think is going to happen to me? I said, you know, I don't know. You know it's totally up to God to heal you. I said, you two have lived in sin. I said, you've committed sin. And I found out more than once. You know, they didn't just do it once. They committed sin several times. And he's married. And now she is not married. Now, but her husband's dead. But she is, is committing adultery. Yeah. She's, she is a, is, a, is a widower. But she is not married. So when she has sex with him, she's totally out of God's will. And neither one of them knew this. But yet they'd both been in church all their life. I said, if you two will repent and you will make God a promise, you won't never do this again. I said, if you can stand by faith, he will restore you. I don't know how long it will take. But I said, he will restore you. But you're going to have to get rid of your sin. You have to stop sinning. And you're going to to stop seeing each other. I said, sir, you need to never show up at her house. You need to let her family take care of her. Anyway, it was a devastating thing. It had brought tremendous problems into the family because her children had found out that he was seeing her. I don't know if they knew that he'd been sleeping with her, but when they found out a married man had been coming over to see mother, I mean, it totally, I mean, they, their children, she had two sons and both of them was upset with mama. And you can understand that, can't you? Mama, daddy died and mama is seeing a married man. You know, so they were upset. It, it was causing every kind of problem in the world. So that's the last time I ever saw. I don't have any idea what God did or didn't do for that couple. But I gave them information from the Word of God that night that they had never heard in their life. If they'd only known, they wouldn't have done that sin. Because if you thought you were going to go out and run around with a divorcee or, I mean, or a widower... And you're a married man, and it was going to bring a stroke upon you, or her, or both of you. Would you do it? Well, if they were Christians, they should have known the Ten Commandments. Well, you know, you know. Well, but the, the the thing about it is, we know as Christians, thou shalt not commit adultery. But what we don't know is, we don't know there's a consequence to sin. That's the thing that... In fact, I had a tape back there. I made a whole tape on the consequences of sin. And you know what Cheryl told me here a while back? She said, we've got to change the name on that tape. I said, why? She said, nobody ever takes it. <laughs> nobody wants it. She said, it never goes away. It's full all the time. Nobody wants to know the consequences of sin. <laughs> Y'all can laugh about that. But you know... I mean, well, if I don't know, it'll be okay. No, I mean, with what we know here, if there's, if there's a consequence of sin, that ought to be the first one we want to listen to. We ought to say, well, God, if there's a consequence. Now, all, what if we read tonight, what do He say He'll do if we obey Him? What has what He said all through the teaching tonight? If you obey Him and keep all His command, what will He do? He'll bless you. But if you do not, what did He say He'll do? All this sickness, disease, curses, and everything else is going to come up on you. I don't understand what we don't understand about this. We'll it the of They'll take it anyway. Oh, we change it to the consequences of obedience, right? Hey! hey. <laughs> <We love you>. <laughs> <laughs> the consequences or are, are the blessings of obedience, you know, that, yeah. that would be better. But I'd have to change the tape. It's all about the consequences of sin. The now then... So, the Huh? A bait and switch. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. But now then, now then it says, uh, don't, don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Well, now let me tell you, if any of you haven't figured out how patient, kind, and gentle he is with us his children today, if he wasn't kind and gentle and patient, I got an idea that this room would be totally empty tonight. Don't y'all? I don't know a single one of us in here can throw our thumbs under our arms and say, Hey, I have never sinned in my life. I've been the Holy Joe all of my life. There ain't nobody meets that criteria. Now, some are a whole lot holier than others, but there ain't none of us can say, I have never sinned. We have all sinned, and most of us, far too many times. And the last one I know was when I grumbled a little bit about putting the screws back at that window. That's just a couple of days ago. You know, so... If you think you haven't done something like that, then let me light up. You're lying, you know, and that's a sin too. You know, so we we sin even when we don't know it. Now, I knew that was wrong. You know, even when I was joking about that, I thought, you know, Lord, you said no coaster. I'm thinking now, I guess I really ought not to say this, but you know, it won't hurt anything just a joke with the guys a little. No, it did too. It did pay, it had a consequence, you know. Woo! Lord of mercy. And then to think my sweetheart would take time to so passionately, compassionately lay hands on me and said, Oh God, please heal that On my husband's head. When she's doing that, I had to tell her why I got it. <laughs> and that's when she said, You've got to tell the church. I said, No, I don't want them to know this. She said, But they've got to know. Uh, okay, I'll tell them. I mean, it's, it's not even my
2: tub, and I'm sitting here worried about all the money it's to cost to
0: fill it. isn't that amazing huh oh my goodness gracious but he says but he says but can't you see how kind he has been in giving you time to turn from your sin but no you won't listen uh oh that sounds kind of like us doesn't it but no you won't listen so you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself uh oh if we don't listen we don't repent we're beginning to store up punishment for ourselves because of your stubbornness in refusing to turn from your sin for there is going to come a day of judgment when God the just judge will judge of all the world will judge all people according to what they have done he will give eternal life to those who persist in doing what is good eternal life to those who persist Continuously do it. I want to be one of those, Lord. I want to have all my sins repented. Of. To those that are doing what is good. Seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves. Who refuse to obey the truth and practice evil deeds. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on sinning for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. He has no favorites. Verse 12. God will punish the Gentiles when they sin. Goodness. You mean there's going to be punishment whenever we make a mistake? He says there is, isn't there? God will punish the Gentiles when they sin, even though they never had God's written law. And he will punish the Jew when they sin, for they do have the law. For it is not merely knowing the law that brings God's approval. Those who obey the law will be declared right in God's sight. Even when Gentiles who do not have God's written law instinctively follow what the law says, they show that in their hearts they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them for their own consciousness their con- conscious. Either accuse them or tell them they are doing what is right. Now, how many of us have started to do something right or wrong and immediately something within you told you you're either fixing to do it right or wrong? Has everybody had those? I think about this girl that I know that told me one day, she said, Thurman, I would so love to hear God's voice like you hear it. I want the Lord to speak to me. I said, well, if you just be patient and serve him, he will. So then she starts going with a young man. And they're both Christians. They both love God, you know. And they're dating. And, of course, the longer they date, the friendlier they get with each other. And then one day they're sitting out somewhere just kind of courting. You know, they're both Christians. They're not doing anything bad. They're not handling each other where they shouldn't be. He's a fine man of God. And she's a fine woman of God, but they were loving each other. And she says, she came to me and told me the next day. She said, I was sitting there in, in my mind. Now, she had, this woman had been married before, and she was a divorcee after many years. Her husband left her. So she said, I was sitting there so enjoying his loving compassion. I just thought to myself, I wonder what it would be like to go to bed with him. And she said, when I thought that, all of a sudden, God spoke to me and called my name, and I'll just use a fictitious name, Susie, stop it. You are sinning. How would you like to hear God's voice like that? Stop it. You are sinning. Somebody said, well, she wasn't doing anything wrong. She was just thinking it. Did God say when you lust in your heart for another person, you're guilty of the sin? That's what he said. Ooh, she said as soon as he said that, I backed off from him and I said, uh, let's just sit and talk for a little while. But she told me the next day what happened. She said, I told you I wanted to hear God's voice. But she said, that's not the way I wanted to hear it. <laughs> I didn't want to hear him tell me I'm sinning. I wanted to hear him say, well done, faithful servant, but he didn't. Is he awesome? Yes, he's awesome. It's amazing. The day will surely come when God, by Jesus Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. Do you think God knows everything you do every day? Everything you do. So, we need to make sure we're walking in obedience to the Word. Then Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go to Ephesians 6, chapter 1, of chapter 6, verse 1. This is about children and parents. And this is a requirement that God holds men and women accountable for. And if they don't do these things, it turns the devil loose on you. In Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Now, children are supposed to obey, for this is the right thing to do. Now, in the Old Testament, under the law, did he tell the children to obey their parents there, too? Now, if they didn't obey their parents under the law, they were to take them to the city elders. And what were the city elders going to do to them? Kill them. They were going to kill them. You know, God hadn't changed his mind about children obey, has he? Not at all. He says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. Now, this is the first of the Ten Commandments that ends with a promise. And this is the promise, he says. If you honor your father and your mother, you will live a long life full of blessing. Do you like that? I do. Now, then, what if you don't honor mom and dad? What if you walk up to dad and dad's out there and somebody say, Hey, you old fool, how you doing today? You think that'd be honoring your dad, sir? Not hardly would it. But people talk to their fathers like that on the earth. I have heard them. Ah, the old man. Let's go down and talk to the old man. See what he's got to say. You hear that? Real regular, don't you? They call dad the old man. Hey, that's not honoring your dad. Now, God says there's a consequence to not honoring and obeying your parents. He's talking about mother and father. Children, you must obey your parents. Now, do you ever get too old to not obey mom and dad or to honor them? Never, never. You have to honor them as long as they live. And even after they die, you still must honor them or you're going to open this door to this demonic world. He says, "If if you honor your mother and your father, you will live a long life full of blessing. Well, now, what if you don't honor them? You're going to live a shorter life, and it ain't going to be full of blessing. Do you see people? I have observed several times. In fact, I was talking to a man the other day, and he said, well, my brother died at 40. But this guy was uh, like 65. He's my age. And I said, well, wonder why you live so long and your brother only lived 40. He said, well, you know, I guess I really never thought about that. I said, what killed him? He said, well, he just died with a heart attack suddenly. Just had a heart attack. I said, let me ask you this question. Is there any other brothers in the family? He said, yeah, i got one other one. He said, he's about two years younger than me. I said, he's still alive? Oh, yeah. I said, do you and that brother both honor your mother and father? Oh, yeah. He said, we don't have a problem. We were raised in a Christian home. I said, but do you honor mom and dad? He said, yeah. I said, how about the one that died at 40? He said, oh, no, he definitely didn't. Oh, this struck a nerve with me. So, he didn't honor mommy and dad. He said he never would do what mommy and dad said. He always did what he wanted to do. And he lived to be 40 and just dropped dead with a heart attack. Just a coincidence, right? No. The Word of God says what's going to happen if you don't honor your mother and your father. Now, you might not be so lucky as to just die. You might have all kinds of problems. I think about a, a general... That I've seen on television. That he was in the Vietnam War when I was there. He was shot down in Korea. And then he got out of Korea. And when he was in Vietnam. He had made God a promise in Korea. He said God if you'll get me out of this. I will obey you and serve you in everything. And God got him out of it. And once he got back to safety. He forgot his promise. But then he was flying in Vietnam. And one day, his F-105 got shot up. And he thought, I, have, I will be able to make it back to the bay where I can crash this thing into bay and I can get out. But he said, it was so badly shot up, I knew I wasn't going to make it. But he said, the minute I started going down and I knew I was going to fall right in the middle of the enemy, it came back to me. You made me a promise. If I would get you out of Korea, you would serve me. And he said, you have not kept your promise. And that man went through hell on earth for the next seven years in Vietnam as a general. He was held in the Hanoi Hilton. Some of you know what that means. And he was tortured and tormented And he said he remembers when they strapped him in the little dungeon to stand him up. And he, I think he stood there for 12 days with chains and bands on him so tight that they were cutting. He said, if I moved, they cut deeper into the, to the bone. He said, I could literally see the bone in my skin, under my skin with those handcuffs. And he said, one day I'm standing there and I, I just said, God, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. I can't handle it no longer. I, this pain is more than I can bear. Lord, I'm so sorry that I didn't do what I said I would do, but I repent. And Lord, I will serve you whatever you do. And he said, I passed out. And I knew if I fell, those, those things were going to get tighter. But he said, I fell and hit the floor, and every one of those chains fell off of me. Wow. Every one of them came completely loose. Wow. All he had to do was repent and tell God he was sorry. I heard that general give that testimony myself. Wow. That he had amazing suffered. Miracle. and Oh, of course it was. And he knew it was. He knew it was a miracle. He said, oh, if I had only kept my promise that I made to God in Korea, I know I would have never had to do and go through what I went through in Vietnam. He said, I would have never got shot down. But he said, I got shot down because I lied to God. I made him a promise if he'd get me out of Korea. And he did, without a scratch. And then he said, I didn't keep my promise. I know another man very close to me that made God a promise similar when he was hit Normandy Beach. And he said, men were dying everywhere. I told him, I said, God, I'll go to church. I'll serve you. You get me out of this alive, and I'll promise you I'll serve you. And he got him out alive without a scratch. He walked through Normandy Beach and never got a scratch and come back home and never served the Lord. And then at a very young age, he died. Just a coincidence? I don't think so. God don't play games. You know that? Nope. You make him a promise, you better fulfill it. He holds you accountable. When we get to where we understand a little bit more about this God, we'll straighten our act up. We'll walk holy. Because you don't get by with nothing. Does he love you? Sure he does. You know, just like I said the other day when I was teaching about willfully sinning, there's nothing but a fiery judgment of God to come upon you. I said, you don't lose your salvation there, Hebrews ten twenty six, but this is what happens. Daddy comes in, he says, son, don't throw the hard ball in the house. You might break a hole in the sheetrock or break a window. And if you do, I'm gonna bust your bottom with a razor strap or a belt or whatever. Don't throw that ball in the house. So, a day or two or three later, Daddy hears crash. And he goes running in the front room and there's a hole in the sheetrock and the little kid threw the ball. He's going to throw it out the door so Daddy couldn't find the ball. And he missed the door and threw it through a window. Now he's blocked a hole in the sheetrock and he's busted a window out and Daddy told him not to throw the ball in the house. Keith, do you still love your children when they do those kind of things? But there's a consequence, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we're going to forgive them. But it's going to be after we wear their little backside out. The judgment of God is going to fall. Is that right, Keith? I mean, sure. Keith's just like me. When your sons and your daughters, whatever, they do something like that, you still love them? Yeah, you're going to still forgive them. But it's going to be after the judgment. You're going to wear their little backside out. When they're crying, Daddy, when they see you coming, Daddy, I didn't mean, I won't never do that again. Yeah, we know. I just love you, but, well, I told you not to do it. Now, there's there's nothing but the fiery judgment. Now then, bend over and hold your socks. Whap, whap, whap. Now then, son, I love you, but don't do that again, or next time it's going to be five licks. See? Now, that's the same way God does us. He loves us like that, but he said, if you deliberately sin after you've known the truth, he said, I nothing but the fiery judgment of God to come upon you. And that's why so many people are sick and afflicted today. Because the devil's been turned loose on them because they knew it was wrong to do what they did. They had read it in the Bible, but they didn't think God was watching. But he's always watching. You don't get by with nothing. Then he says, "He will." He, verse 7, he will give eternal life to those who persist in doing what is good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offered. But He will pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves. Then I read that one, verse twelve. Yeah, we were in Ephesians 6. Oh, oh, we well oh, I'm sorry, i had my thumb up there, and then I got to I thought, well, I've read that already. Been there, yeah. Okay, we're in Ephesians six, and we're down there about children. That's where we're, and and then in verse four, He says. And now a word to you fathers, in verse 4. Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. Well, that's an instruction to the fathers. We're supposed to be gentle with our children. Kind of hard to do sometimes. Colossians 3. Let's go to a new place here. we got just a few minutes. We're going to get one more. Colossians 3:18. This one we definitely want to hit. This one is going to be instructions for a Christian household. Colossians 3:18. You wives, all of you girls, listen up. <laughs> Pay strict attention. Uh oh, punch her there, Keith. Punch her in the, in the side get her attention. <laughs> Wise, you must submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Now, if your husband belongs to the Lord and he's an obedient son of God, then you must obey your husband. Now, he's supposed to treat you like a lady. He's not supposed to beat you. You know, if he's not a child of God and he's mean to you and he tells you to do something that's not godly, then you don't have to obey that, you know. But God tells you to submit to a godly husband. And a godly husband should never be mean to his wife. If he is, he's got a problem. You wives must submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And you husbands, uh uh-oh guys, listen up, this is for us. You husbands must love your wives and never treat them harshly. Mmm. Now, what was that? Our grumbling, complaining. Oh, don't ever grumble and complain. Oh, I told you, see. <laughs> I can see her doing this to me now, can't you? Yeah. Uh, all she'll have to do, if I ever start doing anything wrong, Keith, she, all she's got to do is say, uh, Daddy's going to get you. <laughs> and let me tell you, Daddy's big enough to get us boys. I mean, anyway, how big we are. Right, Michael? Right. It makes no matter how big we are. Daddy is bigger than we are said, you children must always obey your parents, for this is what pleases the Lord. And fathers, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. Pretty good information, isn't it? So husbands, straighten your act up. When you go home, you're supposed to love that wife. Of course, the scripture says, husbands, you're supposed to love that wife as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her. Now any man that loves his wife like that. Will have no problem having a submissive wife. Any woman will submit to a man that loves her like Christ loved the church. So if you love them like that. No problem. Instructions. To people from God's word. Now that we want to know why we got all the problems in the world. Wow. It's easy to see it isn't it. We don't live there. We don't do what he says. I'm talking about even in the church we don't do what he says. I mean, you not worry about the world. The church is what we're concerned about today. If the church would obey all these commands that God give us, what would the Lord do and how much power would he distribute through the church? It would be awesome what we could see him do. I mean... It was just beyond our wildest dreams, the answers to prayers that we could get from God if we would just be obedient, and, and walk with it. Just think about the little lady the other day that came and gave her a testimony that for 15 years she had had no feeling from here to her fingertips. You saw her, didn't you, Gina? Some of you may have been here that day, but the little girl's name was Jan, and she didn't. She said when she came to a healing school, she didn't know that sins what caused all of her sickness and disease. So while she's sitting there, she repented of everything known to man that she had done. And then when she came up for prayer, she said, I said, what do you need to be praying for? And she said, well, one problem is I don't have any feeling and haven't had for 15 years from my elbows to my fingertips in both hands, both arms. I said, what kind of sin did you commit just before that? Oh, she said, my goodness, I did do something. And she knew what it was. And I said, I don't want to know what it was. You don't have to tell me. But I said, you must make sure that you repent of that to God before I pray for you. Oh, she said, Lord, I'm so sorry that I did that. And she told him. I didn't know. I didn't hear. I don't know what she said, but she repented. I said, okay, now then, all your sins repented. She said, yes. I just reached over and touched her gently and laid hands on her and said, Lord, now that she's repented, I command these spirits that have caused these problems in her to leave and for her to be healed. In the name of Jesus. And I said, that's it. She said, that's all there is to it? I said, that's it. She said, I expected you to push me down or scream or holler. (laughs) I said, no, ma'am, I don't do that. I just pray. And I don't have to push you down or do nothing. I said, God does it all. So she gets up and walks back to her chair and sits down and reaches up to touch the chair to sit down. And for the first time in 15 years, the feeling was back in her fingertips. And she reached up and touched it with the other one, and both hands were there. And so then she saw that miracle of God, and then she stood the next few weeks for some other problems, and then the next couple of months for another problem. And a year later, when she came back here just a few weeks ago and gave her testimony, the little woman is completely healed from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Was you here that day, Michael? You heard her give that? Huh? She even had an Achilles problem, that was gone. Yeah, everything was gone. I mean, what happened when you repent and believe God? He gets healed. He does. He, I mean, it's awesome what God promised in His Word. All He says to do is repent and then believe me. Now, what if you repent and say, Well, now, Lord, I'm not sure that I believe what Thurman said, although I heard him read it out of the book. I'm not sure you'll heal me. You might as well forget it. He ain't going to do nothing for you. You've got to believe that He is and that He will do what He promised to do. Because if you don't, that's a sin. If you don't believe He can do what He said... Like this precious little lady over here a while ago, we was talking about uh, when she first came in. And I said, you know, I don't see why we can't believe God for anything after all. He's only God. And she looked at me and she said, you're right. He's only God. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, he is only God. And since he spoke and the world's come into existence, I think he can do anything. And so I have no fear praying for someone once you get your sins repented of. And we stand on the word if you believe him. I can guarantee you God will heal you. He promised it. And hey, walking in divine health is better than having pain, isn't it? Walking in divine health is better than having a messed up head. <laughs> Lord, forgive me again for that. I know I've already asked forgiveness, but Lord, help me to never do that again. Lord, help me to walk in total love to my wife all the time. Lord, and not ever say anything bad about nothing.
1: I'm, I prayed for a lady today, and she had been... Prayed for and prayed for and prayed for about her uh, lungs and congestion and so forth. And uh, so it, we prayed about a memory where uh, she was in a, in a hospital and they'd strapped her down and wouldn't let her parents come in. But uh, we talked to her about that little girl. And she said, oh, I didn't like that little girl. I hate that little girl. She was ugly. She was stupid. Mm. And so it was a spirit of self-hatred that was keeping her from being healed, and unforgiveness of self. And people have to forgive other people who've been done horrible, horrible things to them. People have to forgive God, not because God made a mistake, but for themselves. But the hardest person, a person ever has to forgive, is themselves. Mm-hmm. And there so he she, <laughs> she had to forgive herself. And, uh, and then she got... Uh, she got healing and then she had to uh, we had to cast out that spirit of self-hatred
0: amen when people when people learn these things you know and you repent you get healed you know god heals every time we got numerous uh examples and experiences in here we could talk about people could give testimonies all night but the main thing is just remember don't sin walk holy do what the lord says and he'll heal you he'll do it so father in the name of jesus we thank you for this evening We thank you for the privilege, Lord, to be able to come here to Dallas again today. And, Lord, that the city is still intact. And, Father, we ask you to be merciful to this city. Continue to be merciful to all the people here, Lord, and be merciful to us, the church. Help us, Lord, to realize that you're a God of judgment, but you're a God of love. And, Lord, that if we will just repent and walk holy in accordance to your word, you promise all over this book to bless us and our nation. And, Father, we thank you for that privilege. Help us, Lord, to get the word out that we're to walk holy and obedient to your word. And even as we are businessmen, which I was one of those for many years of my life, that I had to walk in your integrity every day of my life. And when I did, you blessed me every way, form, and fashion. And, Father, for the company that was talked about tonight, which we don't know the name of it, but I know you do, and, Lord, because this owner has really set aside to walk holy, I ask you to bless that company financially and spiritually in every way abundantly that these people that are owning it and running will see the glory of God and realize it all started when they became in total obedience to your word. And then, Lord, every man or woman or whatever that works for that company, I ask you to help them to walk in your love and your integrity and bless them the same way. So they will carry over into their families and into other people's lives. And Lord, we, the church, may become the entity that's going to be the clean, pure, holy, chaste virgin that you're coming for sometime in the future. And we're grateful, Lord, for your word and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.